0: You're listening to Reach MD, XM 160 and Dr. James Rohack, the incoming president of the American Medical Association, during his inauguration at the 2009 House of Delegates meeting held in Chicago. Thank you very much, Joe, and thank you, Dr. Nielsen, for your leadership in bringing us to this crucial moment in the history of medicine. And in my year as AMA president, I will carry this fight forward. But first, I'd like to share a few thoughts about the evolution of medicine the art, and the science, and the ethics that make us meaningful. Evolution is a fitting theme, for this year marks the 200th birthday of Charles Darwin. But I'm not going to address the origin of species. Instead, I'd like to talk about evolution as a trait of an individual, an organization, a profession, and a society. As individuals were brought into this world through the miracle of birth, Our parents create us, and our families support us. Through this mystery of nature and nurture, we evolve to the point that we're ready to face the world on our own. Now, I'd like to thank my father, who's back home in East Rochester, New York, as well as those of my family who are here, my mother, my four sisters, my brother, and their families for their love and support over the years. Now a constant in my life for the last 29 years has been my wife, Charlie, and our daughter, Alicia. Charlie is my best friend, my partner, and the love of my life. And Alicia is the light of my life. Both give me perspective through the prism of life, and they don't let me forget the most vulnerable amongst us. They are part, in fact, the most important part of my evolution as a person. And I thank each of you for allowing me to be here tonight and stand as president of the American Medical Association. Now, when I was 18, I left East Rochester to travel to Texas. Now, as journeys go, it may not have been as dramatic as early man braving the Bering Strait. But the impulse was the same, uh, to leave, a pot, leave behind the drifts of snow and find south a warmer place. And in Texas, I came of age. What I am as a physician. I owe to the formal as well as the informal education I've received from colleagues at the University of Texas Medical Branch at Galveston, the Texas Medical Association, Scott and White Healthcare, Texas A&M Health Science Center, and the National Quality Enterprise. They are part of my evolution to this time and place. For all of you who enabled me to succeed and allowed me to fail, and yet it made it possible for me to learn. All of you are part of my evolution to this time and place. I would ask my family, my friends and colleagues from Scott and White, the Texas Medical Association, the American College of Cardiology, the American College of Physicians, the American Medical Group Association, Texas a and Health Science Center, the National Quality Enterprise, and my colleagues at the American Medical Association, would you all please stand and allow us to thank you as well as those who were not able to be here tonight who have supported me with a round of applause. Now Charles Darwin, who knew something about evolution, wrote that what separates man from animal is a uniquely human trait that those suffering from illness or injury we save from harm call it compassion, or altruism, or even enlightened self-interest. Our medical men exert their utmost skill to save the life of everyone to the last moment, he said. And Darwin, who dropped out of medical school, didn't mean this as a compliment. But the notion of survival of the fittest has never been at home in medicine. Since recorded time, the human race has searched for a purpose, different civilizations in different places, amid different conditions, driven by different cultural and material needs, still share common themes. All have found a place, a need for spirituality, a recognition that the spark of life on this planet may be forged from a higher force. And as such, it is sacred. As human beings, we seek out each other for the caring and compassion a safe place provides. Now this impulse has driven physicians to evolve. An evolution from the shamans who provided just a hope of physical healing, but always comforted the spirit. Through Hippocrates and Galen, through the pursuit of the four humors, through the use of leeches and foxglove, the black bag, the house call, the HMO, medicine itself has gone through its own epic changes through the centuries. But what hasn't changed is the soul of medicine, the capacity to listen, to touch, to show a fellow human being our willingness to serve. Now there are those who say that the art of medicine is a lost art, that the intangibles of healing have been eclipsed by the coldness of performance measurement, the boundaries of documentation, and the realities of liability. Well, like it or not, these are the components of what it means to be a physician in America in 2009. But there's no reason that the regulations and paperwork imposed upon our profession can't be made to coexist with the art of medicine. Indeed, they must. Being a physician embraces many ideas and emotions, duties and ideals, altruism, responsibility, and accountability. Leadership, caring, and compassion. Communication, excellence, and scholarship. Respect, honor, and integrity. These are the hallmarks of being a professional. And yet, they also frame the canvas of the art of medicine. And all are the products of the evolution of medicine. I believe the future of our profession is bright as long as we remember that the human touch cannot be replaced with a BlackBerry text message or a 140-character entry on Twitter. (laughs) Now, even as we witness the rapidly multiplying marvels of science and technology, we must never forget our basic human compassion for the most vulnerable amongst us. The evolution of our science takes one breathtaking turn after another. The ability to take a cell and use it to regrow any organ is not science fiction. It's reality. The ability to map one genome to understand the risks of disease that one might face is reality, not science fiction. The ability to halt and reverse disease processes and devices is a reality, not science fiction, and continues to evolve at a rapid rate our 21st century is overflowing with promise. So amid this dramatic change in our science and the challenges to traditional ways of practicing medicine, how has the American Medical Association evolved? Well, to illustrate, let me take you back in time. In 1776, America declared its independence and noted three inalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. A very progressive notion in 1776, but those rights were restricted to only white male property owners. Over time, our democracy evolved, and the notion of professionalism expanded. In 1847, our AMA was founded to create a national medical organization, adopt a uniform standard of medical education, and a common code of medical ethics. But what was missing from those founding principles was the notion of access to medical care for all people. In fact, it wasn't until 1957 that we entered our next stage of evolution and adopted in our AMA code of medical ethics the ninth principle, a physician shall support access to medical care for all people. But a principle requires more than a vote to adopt the words. We had to evolve we had to become more inclusive. We had to live up to the principles that we espoused and strive for an evolution of understanding to realize that each one of us, as human beings, has worth and value. And it's for this reason I firmly believe and I'm excited that we are ready in 2009 to fully embrace that principle for all our good intentions has gone unrealized for 50 years. That we as a nation are ready to have health insurance coverage for all Americans. Now, this is not some sort of empty slogan or semantic exercise. This is an effort that will define our organization, that will define our nation and will definitely define each and every one of us. Now our American capitalist system has always secured a higher level of medical care for those who succeeded compared to those who fell by the wayside. For them, medical care depended upon the charity of others. Charity, bad debt, allowances, all words that don't reflect the human face of suffering. And we have learned that those without health insurance, who can't afford a visit to a personal physician, who access care only through an emergency department, live sicker and die younger. In the wealthiest, most technologically advanced society in the history of the world, that is unacceptable. Now the victims of this crisis of the uninsured too often are members of minority groups. Our AMA had to evolve. In the past, we tolerated discrimination in our membership toward many groups. African Americans, women, international medical graduates, those in group practice, and those with different sexual orientation. Ethnic, racial, gender minority groups that are already faced with disparities in care. Our profession and our society has evolved and this state of disparities can no longer be tolerated. We have practical solutions available, such as increasing educational opportunities, including the option of medical school, for those who have suffered discrimination over the decades. Our AMA Foundation is addressing this situation by granting minority scholarships. Our Minority Affairs Consortium and the Commission to End Health Disparities, formed with the National Medical Association, and the National Hispanic Medical Association contributes to the Doctors Back to School Program in elementary and high schools, which offers role models and mentors for students in medically underserved areas. But more needs to be done. The process needs to evolve. And that's why I'm excited about this year, working with my fellow graduate of the University of Texas at El Paso, Willarda Edwards, as she becomes president of the National Medical Association. What a great invocation she gave tonight. Thank you, Willarda. (laughs) Together, we're going to take the message to local communities about the many intersections between education and health. And I will use these opportunities whenever I can to support AMA policies that seek to eliminate disparities in healthcare. Every physician in this nation should know that they can make a difference. And every physician should do so. But how can we make this happen? How do we evolve to reach this point? For the sake of our society, America is now challenged to reform our entire healthcare system to combine both the individual and curative and the social and preventive. The need is unmistakable and it's urgent. We know that rising health care costs strain individual, business, and government budgets. And the demographics of we baby boomers as we reach age 65 and beyond and the disease burden of widespread obesity portend a tidal wave of costs that may drown our nation. What our society needs to spend to hold back this tide can't be sustained. These rising costs contribute to many Americans being uninsured. They put premiums out of reach for many families. And for some, the price of paying for treatment is impossible. But there needs to be a distinction between cost and value. Our discussion can't be simply about reducing cost. It has to focus on reducing unnecessary costs. Medical care will always cost something. Now, last Monday, in my clinic, I had my usual 15 patients, and I reviewed the chart of each of them before I saw them. One patient with coronary artery disease reported shortness of breath. Now, I noted in our electronic medical record that three weeks ago, he had a significant bleed from his bladder. His hemoglobin had dropped below 10 I didn't need an imaging test to tell me that if you have coronary disease and you don't have enough oxygen carried by the hemoglobin in your blood, you're going to be short of breath. My treatment was iron supplements, not a heart cath. But our current payment system, it rewards us when we do a procedure, not when we listen and think. The value of the art of the shaman to comfort the spirit should be paid for as well as the coordination of care a physician provides. The wisdom of life is understanding what we don't need and to shed it. We need to stop the administrative waste in healthcare that doesn't contribute to patient care and drives up both premiums and taxes. We as physicians... We as physicians have plenty of examples of excessive paperwork imposed on us by both the public and private payers. Our AMA is committed to make sure that we get the most value out of our health care dollar. We want to bend the spending curve downward and move forward on health reform. Now, one way we do that is we convene a physician consortium on performance improvement. We bring together the national specialty societies and state associations and to develop measures to provide the best practice for patients, to improve health care quality and value. Now led by the AMA, our medical profession is working to address appropriateness of care, the overutilization of unnecessary services and avoidable hospital readmissions. But let's face it: defensive medicine is real and it's costly. We need medical liability reforms to help physician provide the best care without feeling pressure to order those additional tests. We need to know that if you follow the evidence-based guidelines, you should be protected from the risk of a courtroom. Otherwise, any savings we have from not ordering a test or a procedure is going to vanish in a fog of frivolous lawsuits. All Americans have to be part of this evolution. The combination of national initiatives, but an individual's own healthier life steps toward prevention and wellness is a key to reducing the spiraling health care costs to prevent chronic disease and to keep America healthy. Our patients are our partners in their medical care, and we have to challenge them to get healthy, and stay healthy. So how can we evolve our health care system? Could we prescribe physical activity and pay the patient for weight loss to control diabetes rather than a polypharmacy of pills? How should we deal with patients who don't respond exactly the way we need them to? Are they going to be cast aside because they won't follow a treatment plan that affects their doctor's ranking or payment? Well, that goes against everything physicians believe in. We have to design a system. We have to design a system that protects patients from making bad choices that affect their health. This system change has to be part of the next step of evolution. For example, we've seen how mandatory seat belts have reduced the cost spending treating trauma. What about we go a step further and we make breath locks mandatory on all vehicles that could reduce by over half the billion spent on alcohol related motor vehicle injury and death see the AMA is working to try and evolve our health sector beyond its silos toward a free range of cooperation and coordination it's clearly a strategy toward the reform of a healthcare system to survive needs to evolve now we all know that one necessary element for the overhaul of this system is payment reform, and it needs to evolve. But before we evolve, we have to kind of remember the basic principles of payment for medical care. As a physician providing patients my services, I should expect to have fair and reasonable compensation. And patients should be able to privately contract with their physician for medical care without penalty. This contract between a patient and a physician is as old as medicine itself. Payment is the individual's responsibility. Treatment is the physician's responsibility. And in an ideal world, it would be that simple. But in America, there are many players on this stage of American healthcare, care. And not everyone is reading from the same script. Now, the problem that I've seen with the systems proposed by insurers in the federal government Too often, the rewards are not timely, and they don't directly involve the individual patient when they receive their medical care. What's going to happen is this is going to create a widening gulf between the patient and the physician. Now, I saw this principle in action during my undergraduate days at UTEP. There, I did non-human primate behavioral research. So if a banana pellet only dropped once a year... Our primates wouldn't push that lever very long. And as homo sapiens, our DNA is very similar to those primates. What this experience has told me and showed me in my day-to-day life as a physician has led me hard to think about how could we change health policy to help us evolve to that next future of an evolved relationship between the patient and the physician. So let me make a few observations about some of the possibilities, a little out of the box thinking about what the future might hold. For instance, imagine if we evolve the payment system so that those who pool money either through premiums or like a private insurer, or the government who pools it through taxes, pays a standard base fee for medical care where it's provided regardless of where the patient lives. Then the physician or patient-centered medical home or hospital or accountable care organization could decide if they want to charge an additional service fee. If the patient couldn't afford the pay, a physician wouldn't be obligated to charge the fee. Under current law, that's illegal. If the fee is charged, then the patient would decide if the medical care they received met their expectations. Whether it met the goals of timely, safe, equitable, efficient, effective, and patient-centered care. They would either pay the fee, or if not, they would provide feedback on why their expectations were not met. In my experience, this would evolve quality care much faster than any government or insurer proposal that I've seen because it provides real-time feedback for quality, makes both the patient and the physician accountable to each other, yet still preserves the pooling needed to make health insurance affordable. It's worth remembering the words of Nobel Prize-winning economist Milton Friedman, who said, if you spend your own money on yourself, you're very concerned about how much is spent and how it's spent. But if you spend somebody else's money on yourself, you're not too concerned about how much is spent or how it's spent. Our federal government now pays for more than 56% of health care in America. So if the use of federal taxes to significantly pay for health care defines a public plan, actually one already exists. It's called the Federal Employee Health Benefit Plan. why don't we let individuals whose employer doesn't provide health insurance coverage buy into that federal plan with advanceable tax credits inversely related to their income? And I'd like to add my own modest proposal. Perhaps we can start linking federal spending priorities by linking the health premiums of elected officials to those of their constituents. <laughs> Why don't we start pooling individuals along congressional district lines? You know, that might result in more communities with safe gyms and open fields for physical activities and fewer bridges to nowhere. (laughs) Now, payment is just one piece of the health reform puzzle. It's important, but it's not the defining trait of medicine. Our ninth principle of ethics trumps all. A physician shall support access to medical care for all people. And as these payment scenarios evolve, that principle is paramount. We will still care for our patients, no matter what. Our AMA's proposal for health system reform delivers the sort of strong evolutionary changes we believe is the best way to deliver the best care we can to the largest number of people with the best value. Evolutionary change, not revolutionary chaos. Radical plans may lower costs in the short run, but in the long run, it's going to cost us all dearly. Our American healthcare system is getting sick, and it's getting worse. And if we approach change with a hatchet instead of a scalpel, we're going to lose the patient. I can promise you this. Our AMA is committed to offering guidance, our expertise, the benefits of our relationship with our patients, and the powerful voice of our profession to help the powers that be make the right decisions. So what will the path of the next stage of evolution of healthcare take? Perhaps someday we can evolve from a predominantly employer-based system to one where the individual has the same tax advantage to own their own health insurance policy a system more evolutionary than revolutionary. And now we must help educate our patients. We see advertising all the time by insurance companies who seek to sear their brand into the psyches of consumers. But will the loyalty of patients be to those who pool premiums? Or to those of us who get up at 2 o'clock in the morning to provide their care? As physicians, we have to be united, work together and speak as one voice. My greatest fear is that the increasing specialization in medicine, when we are threatened by government or payers, is going to force us into warring tribes. For when survival is threatened, those who change survive. And the evolutionary gain is not always to the swift, the strongest, or the most intelligent, but it's to the one who's most adaptable. And if we as physicians scatter amongst the banners of specialty and fragment ourselves amongst organ, gender, age, limb, diagnostic and therapeutic components of being a physician, we forget the lessons of what being human means. As humans, we are the sum of all our parts, physical, emotional, and spiritual. And these must act together to function As physicians, we must act together to function best. We must act together to stay strong for our profession, and we must act together for the sake of our patients. It's all part of the evolution we as living beings, as physicians, have always done and will always continue to do, as individuals, as organizations, and as society. In this extraordinary moment in our history, we as physicians must not only anticipate change, or respond to change, or adapt to change, we ourselves must be the change we hope to see in our healthcare system. I'm excited about it, and I'm confident we can do it. Confident that we will continue to evolve as an organization that embraces the challenges of the 21st century practice of medicine and meets them with science, with innovation, and creativity. To lead the way toward a uniquely American system that discards what doesn't work, builds on what's strong, and offers strong innovation, value, and access. And most of all, stays true to our ninth principle of medical ethics to support access to medical care for all people. This evolution of the AMA reflects our dedication to provide affordable, quality health insurance coverage, not just for some, but for everyone. Throughout the centuries, the science of medicine has evolved, but the art of medicine remains the same, caring, comfort, and compassion. Remember this, as physicians, we are blessed. And with that comes a great responsibility. We must hold true to our ethics as the evolution of American health care un- unfolds. And never forget that we as a profession exist for the patients we serve. Thank you, God bless America, and God bless our AMA. You've been listening to ReachMD XM160 and Dr. James Rohack, the incoming president of the American Medical Association, during his inauguration at the 2009 House of Delegates meeting held in Chicago. For continuing coverage or to listen to President Obama's speech in its entirety, please go to www.reachmd.com.